minister starts a Sunday morning service and uh, there's only one guy in the sanctuary. And uh, he looks out at the man and he says, well, there's only one person here. I don't know whether I should speak. The man says, well, you know, pastor, I'm a farmer. And uh, if only one cow shows up for the food, I don't not feed him. It's okay. So he speaks for 15, 20, 30 minutes. The man looks very dismayed. Pastor looks at him. He says, I thought you said I should speak. He says, well, you know, I'm a farmer. If only one cow shows up, I don't dump the whole load. <laughs> so I've been trying to figure out how to shorten this, but I can't. <laughs> so this week's Torah portion uh, famously states, let them build for me a sanctuary that I may dwell, that I may live within them. God chose Moses, you know, for Moses' humility. In the book of Numbers, it says that he was the most humble of all men. It's Judaism's way of telling us that ego is the enemy of spirituality. As the famous uh, theologian Thomas Merton wrote, humility contains in itself the answer to all the great problems of the life of the soul. So Judaism developed ways that we should experience, that we could experience God's presence. Direct revelation is not possible. Perhaps it happened at Sinai, but we were not there, at least in the physical forms that we occupy now. And yet we human beings long for God, and you all know that. We wish that we had an assurance of the divine presence in our lives. The soul thirsts for God's assuring and emotional companionship within us without being scorched as Aaron's sons were when ministering at God's altar. And so we arrive now at Exodus 25, this week's Torah portion, right after the revelation on Sinai. And we have the building of God's earthly home, the tabernacle, God's indwelling presence on earth. I don't know if this structure ever actually existed. When I was in rabbinic school, some of the professors said, well, it's projection back into history of the description of the first temple, the Solomonic Temple. Okay. But I believe it's a metaphor. I believe it's a metaphor for a necessary fact. God must be found in the world. 19th century commentator known to us as the Malbim gets it exactly right. The Malbim writes that each one of us will build a holy place in the rooms in his heart and prepare an altar to raise up all the parts of his soul to God. Build a holy place in the rooms of our hearts and there have an altar to raise up the soul to God. So how do we build that holy place in the heart? Are there ways? The Talmud makes a very interesting comment on the phrase, let them build for me a sanctuary, let them make for me a sanctuary. It says, the holy things used in making repairs to the temple may be used to pay the artisans for the repairs. As Rabbi Eliezer said, Scripture says, make for me a sanctuary of that which is mine. Now, now think about this for a second. Even if you didn't quite get that quote, I'm going to explain it. What are they discussing? A Jew dedicates an animal. Go back 2,000 years, you bring... Uh, some kind of animal, small animal, large animal, 
something that he has raised, something that is his property, something that he's worked for. It's the work of his hands in a real sense. And he contributes that animal to the sanctuary. He makes it holy. He calls it ekdesh, that which is made holy. Normally that animal would go to pay the priest. That's how they made their living. But the Talmud teaches an interesting thing. That those dedications may be used to pay the workers for the repairs that they make on the sanctuary itself. In other words, the purpose of that dedication could be changed. An animal, anything dedicated to the sanctuary, goes from being a secular piece of property to becoming holy. And the production, from the raising of the animal to the building of a piece of furniture in the sanctuary, okay, whatever it happens to be, well, that production becomes a mitzvah, a commandment of God. What transforms it from the secular to the holy? What makes something that is not connected to God, connected to God? Well, it's intention. It's the intention of the donor to use that thing for a holy purpose. Even though this animal has been dedicated to be given to God, therefore assumes the holiness of the sanctuary, it could be used instead to keep the sanctuary, to keep the tabernacle in working order. It could become payment to the workers, who will then, if you think about it, take the animal, transform it back into the secular by feeding their families. The entire matter rests upon the intention to dedicate something to God. And thereby, because of human intention, we make it holy, make it a piece of God and of God's work. The Talmud is telling us that once it is donated to be used in the sanctuary, to be used for God and God's property, it is God-like. And it is God-like because of the way we think about it. Once dedicated, it no longer belongs to the owner. Even if it has not been transferred to the tabernacle or to the temple, it no longer belongs to the owner. It assumes a different quality, the quality of God's property, partaking in God's holiness. In other words, it no longer adds to, and this is critical, it no longer adds to the glory of the person who produced it or raised it. It now adds to the glory of God. It is now no longer part of that person's ego. It is now part of the holy fabric of the universe. But this transformation of something requires work. On this point, the book, which you know is uh, Avot to Rabbi Natan, it's a parallel to Pirkei Avot, explains, Rabbi Tarfin says, work is great, for even the Holy One did not spread his presence over Israel until they did some work building the sanctuary. In other words, the creation of holiness, bringing that holiness into our lives, well, it has steps that we need to follow. One, physically creating something that requires our work. You've got to do something to bring holiness into life. Two, mentally transferring ownership of that something to a higher calling. I'm dedicating this to something that goes beyond me, something more worthwhile than my own life, to support that which we call holy, something that is connected to God. So we have a physical component, and we have a mental component, and then there is a sacrificial component. That which we have created in order to support our personal lives is now to be used instead for God's benefit. No matter when that may occur, no matter what the ultimate use of that object or an animal may be, it's dedicating our work and the product of our hands to a higher calling. Our first Midrash instructed that we are taking our stuff to give God 
as a form of sacrifice. I expected somebody to raise their hand, but you all are too polite. If we're giving it to God, doesn't God already own it? I mean, everybody knows, even if you don't know, it's Psalm 24. Everybody knows the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they who dwell therein. It all belongs to God. What are we doing by giving it to God? Rashi, the most famous of the biblical and Talmudic commentators, understands the words in this parasha to be, make for me a sanctuary, not as the Talmud says, of my stuff. Okay? You're taking my stuff and making a sanctuary for me. That's the Talmudic interpretation. Rashi changes it. He says, Mishali, you're taking this stuff for the sake of my name. But I would like to combine the two interpretations, Rashi and Masechet Tumura. Make a sanctuary for me from my stuff and for the sake of my name. Why? Because here's the human problem that removes us from that which is holy. We make stuff. We grow it. We manufacture it. Whatever it is, we make it and we account it to be our own. We dedicate it to our own purposes. Work rightfully gives ego satisfaction. And the more we do, the more we produce, the better we often feel about ourselves. We grow things to eat. We build homes to live in. We work to purchase all those things today. And we tend to make ourselves, as a result, the center of the world that we construct with our hands and our minds. Indeed, there are many today who would say, there is nothing else that is real than what I make with my own hands. But holiness requires something else. The humility of the contrite spirit. There's a reason that the Torah says of Moses, the one quality it says about him, he was the most humble of all men. So again, we turn to the Malbim and to Psalms. The ashes of the personal sacrifices we make are strewn over the altar of the contrite heart, says Malbim, as portrayed in Psalm 51. And all of you know this line, and every time you come into worship, you say it. But here's what it means. You all know the line. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. You do not want me to bring sacrifices, that psalm continues. You do not want me to bring sacrifices. You do not desire burnt offerings. True sacrifice to God is a contrite spirit. God, you will not despise a contrite and crushed heart. Malbim portrays this wilderness sanctuary not as existing in the wilderness, but as existing within each of us if we will construct it in the heart. How do we do that? Well, here's the key. We must transform that which places us in the center of our own lives, the things we produce, into that which places God in the center of our lives. And today it's about as countercultural as you can get. We do that, we make that transformation by taking that which is most precious and dedicating it to God, a real sacrifice, a real giving up. When we truly say to God, this for which I worked and which I intended for myself, which I have longed for maybe, which I really want to have for me, I give to you for your purposes. Then we empty ourselves. 
to allow God to fill the sanctuary of the soul, God's true tabernacle on earth. That's the reason the true spiritual journey is quiet. It's personal. It doesn't need to be spoken. As a matter of fact, it is so humble that it only between the person and his own heart and his soul. You see, it's just between you and God. The dedication of self to a higher existence, to furthering God's purpose for our lives. This week's Torah portion says this to us. Let them build for me a sanctuary so that I may dwell within them. Can you hear that, sir?